Hello and welcome to another edition of Here's the Pitch. I'm your friend Brad, your podcast friend, your YouTube friend Brad. Thank you for joining me. And hello, another podcast here on Here's the Pitch, and I appreciate you coming over here. A reminder, all these podcasts are uploaded to YouTube first, most of them actually, with video. So you can watch them, see uh, some highlights of uh, the things we talk about. But uh, I want to remind folks, if you come here for Howard Stern content, I uh, interviewed Shuley, and that is up now. Shuley, of course, was part of the show for a long time, started as a caller, and then uh, became a cast member and recently left the show, oddly. So we talk about that, and you can see all of that over at YouTube. If you go search ST Weekly, that's my channel name, Stern Talk Weekly, Sports Talk Weekly, you can find that Shuley interview over there. So go check it out. A lot of people are watching it and enjoying it, and if you come here first for podcast. The video portions are uploaded to YouTube, but this one today is about Tim Sabian. He's uh, making a second appearance on the show, along with Matt Burke of the Vikings uh, for many years, an NFL possible Hall of Famer, should be a Hall of Famer. They were promoting a venture called Super Squares, and you can read about that if you go to Twitter and search Super Squares, but Tim uh, got hooked in with that. But of course, we love talking sports. We love talking Stern. So this one, we mesh it together, ST Weekly, get it? ST, Sports Talk Weekly, Stern Talk Weekly, and we get those two together to talk about their venture. So you'll get to hear about that here coming up, but of course, I talk about my great sponsor, Masses Restaurants, five locations, stlmasses.com is the website to find the directions to the uh, five stores that they uh, currently operate. And uh, you can look at the menus and start salivating over the beef beef pepe. That's great. Big Al special pizza. Delicious. It's it's everything you'd want out of an Italian restaurant and more. Masses restaurants. So again, go to to YouTube, subscribe, like over there. Uh, Again, I put these podcasts out on an audio version. So if you're driving in your car and you like them this way, you can hear them there, but you can see them first over on YouTube. And again, check out the Shuley interview. But uh, let's start up with Tim Sabian as we talk about his days with Howard Stern. We talked a little bit before this interview, but I I was curious about you becoming an on-air character. What was that like when you did start? Because I remember I listened a lot, and they mentioned your name, but it seemed like you became more on-air. Was that fun for you to go in and be part of the, the show? No, it, it was something that I, that I avoided at all costs. And uh, Howard would always tell me, hey, you're not a team player. You're not a team player. And I said, look, I'm running your company. I'm running your business. And it makes it very difficult when you turn me into a sideshow because I've got to negotiate contracts. I've got to develop relationships with people. I've got to, you know, run the day to day. And just by this conversation alone, you know, to your point, I never wanted to become the sideshow. And I, I avoided it at all costs because it's not what my forte is. It's not what my expertise is. I, you know, I'm good at relationships. I'm good at, you know, driving the day to day, you know, in an organization like that. Uh, you know, and I know what has to be done. I have a vision of it, but I just didn't, that was a distraction to me. And it was, uh, it, it, and it was just, it, it took away from time that could have been more productive. So, um, I thought it was more a detriment than it was a help. How did you enjoy the news team being around? They're always fishing around. Uh, Well, we created it. So we created that monster and uh, it was content. We were just a content, you know, machine 24, seven, 365. And, uh, it, it was, it was all part of the game. You but know? after, but then they start, they start reporting on people like you, like, don't, don't you go, I created this monster. What the hell was I thinking? 
Yeah, it's it it was what it was, but uh, you, you learn through experience and and all that. But it was just a good group of people. It, it was it, we were a family, and and we kind of understood it, and we, we all kind of lived in a bubble. And it was interesting when I left the Howard Stern show, how you know, after I literally after two months, you get your soul back, and you get your sleeping patterns back, and you get um, uh, you know your life back a little bit, and you realize that. Uh, you know, it was a, a very artificial environment. So, um, you know, it was what it was. I get to, you, I, people quote you though, created by man, solved by man. Are you excited that people th- say things that you've said a million times over and over? Uh, whatever. It was all part, once again, all part of the game, but uh, it was all good. Matt, he worked. Yeah. I, I, I met tremendous people through the years, uh, built a lot of great relationships through the years. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be with Frank and Matt right now if it wasn't for that. So, you know, life is a journey and uh, it brought me to this. So, and I'm very grateful for this moment. I was going to say, Matt, Matt, uh, you know, Tim worked on the Hall of Fame radio show of all time. Um, you had this long career and some Pro Bowls and winning and and I was actually looking. I'm like, well, where, where's the Hall of Fame consideration? And it's not there, right? Do you? I mean, I'm sure you get this question all the time, but... What do you do? You do you get a little angry that it's like because uh, once you get kind of past some of these years, you you might get forgotten about. Is that something that eats at you a little bit? Because this is a long career. Well, I'm in like five halls of fame. Uh, Football, like sorry, Mancini, sorry. Mancini Steakhouse Hall of Fame, which is in downtown St. Paul, Minnesota, which is That's big. It's a pretty big deal if you're from a certain part of St. Paul. Um, no, Brad, I, I really, I honestly, I don't, you know, you talk about 1999 playoff game with the Rams. That was my second year in the league. I was still on the bench. You know, I mean, I didn't go to Harvard because uh, I thought I'd go to the NFL. My, my career, it just kind of happened. And um, I grew up in Minnesota. I played 11 years for the team that I grew up watching and then got to go play in a great organization in Baltimore for four more and win a Super Bowl and end it like that. I mean, I, I can't, I can't complain about anything in my career. Um, you know, if the Hall of Fame happens, great. We'll throw a really, really big party. Uh, if it doesn't, great. It's, it doesn't. Um, you know, it's it's not gonna. I don't feel unfulfilled or anything like that. I look back on my career and to play for 15 years in the NFL, the relationships I've made, the things I got to experience. Uh, I mean, I'm really, I'm really nothing but uh, nothing but grateful about it, and. Um, yeah, it's it's it really is. I mean, it's it, it's all good. I I never saw uh, League of Denial, uh, which is the concussion uh, story about the NFL. But I think I read that you have already volunteered to offer your brain, right, for for research. Is that correct? And yeah, they actually they actually already took it. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's over there on the. Oh, it's right behind you on your on your wall. In a jar. <laughs> I was curious though because I'm curious. I think um, as you look back at your career. Um, do you think, oh yeah, that is something maybe people should have been looking at a long time ago? Or do you say, eh, this is good that people have actually sort of come around and that's how we evolve that, you know, we, we learn and we, we realize that, you know, we have to figure out what's going on. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of both, you know, I mean, you know, there's risks, right? When you play football, you know, there's risks, you know, over time we've, we've learned a lot more. Um, but, uh, to me, I mean, the, the rewards and the benefits of playing football far outweigh the risks. And I think the numbers show that. Um, you know, my, uh, I've, I've, I have five sons. Um, 
the three that are of age play tackle football. I love it. I think it's really, if kids want to play football, I think they should be encouraged to. It's very important. You can learn a ton uh, by playing the game. That's why I think football is important. We're not saying that the goal is not to play in the NFL, but the things that you learn about yourself and about life on the football field, I don't think they can be taught anywhere else. And I think in today's society where so many young men don't have a father in the house, where our kids are, you know, they're, they're digital creatures, uh, it's good for them to go out there and get roughed up a little bit. Um, and uh, so, so I'm a big fan of football. But yeah, that being said, you certainly want to make it as safe as, as possible for, for, for young people. And so, uh, I mean, the whole brain thing, people, that's, that, that, that grabs some headlines because I was the first current, uh, current player to do that. One of my former college teammates started that initiative at Boston university and he reached out to me to see if I'd sign the paper to give him my brain. And I said, well, sure. I mean, I'm an organ donor and the brain is, it's the same thing when I'm dead. I don't, I won't need it anymore. So if it can somehow help, uh, that's great. And, uh, you know, a lot of the headlines and there's movies about it, you know, making football seem like, gosh, if you play football, you're, it's like you're playing Russian roulette with your life. Uh, you're not, you're not, but there are, there are risks, but that's, but that's life as well. And, um, and like I said, I'm a, I'm a big fan of football and support, support kids doing it, but certainly in the, uh, in the safest way possible. Frank, I promise I'll get to you in a second, but you, you talked, you had, uh, you had teammates, I'm sure. You listened to the show, and I'm sure you listened when Artie was on. I'm a huge Artie Lang fan. Did you ever have a teammate like Artie Lang? Who was funny, I would say. Funny and... <laughs> well, I mean, the thing, about, the thing about the locker room is, right, it's 53 guys. Most of them are alpha males. Most of them are. They're, they're huge personalities. You know, <laughs> it's, it, it, John Harbaugh, who's the best head coach I ever played for, you know, he was great. He said, let your personality shine, you know, be, be who you are. He embraced that. I mean, the thing I miss most about football is just the, the way that you'd laugh in the locker room because football's hard. I'm not saying feel sorry. Don't feel sorry for football players, but a lot of days are just days, you know, they're hard days. And so when something funny happens, a guy does something or says something, or, I mean, it's like you laugh as hard as you'll ever laugh. And that's, that's what I miss about football. It's, I don't miss anything else. People ask me, do I miss playing? No, I mean, playing is, playing is really, really hard. You put your body through a lot, but I miss the locker room and I miss laughing like that. And but the guys are, the guys are, the guys are great. And you get guys from all over the, on the spectrum, you know, you got white guys, black guys, brown guys, Christian guys, atheists, you know, whatever, North, South, everything. And we never once had any sensitivity training or anything like that. It was, it was never an issue. There's this, there's this common respect that everybody is, is given and, and, and everybody gives freely. And, uh, and, but boy, oh boy, I mean, yeah, the, the laughs that we had, the things that happened over the years, it's, it's, uh, those are, those are special memories. Tim, you had a locker room of yourself there at the Stern show and everybody that comes on and we talk about had that, that sense. There was a, f a family and that's what they talk about. And, and, and even when I talk to anybody that's come on from that show, it reminds me of where I used to work, where you would look forward to driving in. And if someone wasn't coming in, you'd be like, oh, shit, I, why is Tim not coming in today? Tell me, not you, Tim, but my buddy, Tim, just tell me a little bit about um, just that 
camaraderie that was built there with amongst Howard TV and the the news team. And there was some, you know, the radio team. There was three different little kind of divisions, but it seemed like everybody kind of got along. Uh, it, it was an amazing time, uh, and it was a family because I remember everybody would be in the office at five o'clock in the morning, at, at the latest, and and we would be there till five, six, seven o'clock at night. And uh, there were special times, like with I remember going in and spending time with Sal and Richard, you know, and just joking around, or Shuli, or Jason and Will, and just the producers, and just. You know, it was just long days, but meaningful times together. Uh, and everybody, you know, would have their time in the barrel, whatever, for whatever reason. And everybody kind of joined together and helped each other and pulled each other up. And uh, it was a family, it was a team. And uh, uh, it, it was uh, a really incredible experience to work with people that had, you know, the same interest and the same commitment to excellence. And, and uh, everybody wasn't on their game every single day, but... But the ones that weren't, you'd pull them along. You'd support them. You'd give them a hand up. You'd inspire them to, to greatness. And, and that's why the show was as great as it was with all of its faults and so forth. But it was just a tremendous group of people that came together at a unique moment in time and created what was created was that show. So, um, it, you know, very blessed to experience the people, the day-to-day, the, the -day and the success that we had. So... You know, it was interesting. And I, and I mentioned to Matt Artie because I, I was that's what really got me into the show was Artie being part of it. And I think we talked about it last time. But I, I'm, I'm just curious, like, how much you had to deal with him. Like, was it more Howard coming to you and saying deal with him? Because there was a lot of issues there in the last three or four years he was there. How often did you have to kind of personally go to him and say, listen, man, let's get this together. What can we do to help? How, how many times did that come up for you? Every day. I mean, Howard and I would meet with him on occasion, but I had to deal with it. And because we were a family and so close that we felt the bumps in the road. And, and you know, I, I didn't understand what he was going through until, you know, we got really into it. And it was heartbreaking. I mean, it was really heartbreaking uh, to see one of your fellow comrades and, you know, friend and, and a, a guy with such a, a big heart and soul as Artie had to, to watch somebody to go through that. It, it's, it's just terrifying. And, and I didn't understand it. I'm not uh, a therapist, whatever, but I'm, you know, I was a friend of his and to see him to go through what he went through. And then when he stabbed himself after I cut him loose from the team and, and uh, it was, it was horrifying. I still have shivers up and down my spine, even thinking about it, but um that's how heavy and, and how close it was and, and what it meant. And, and, you know, the podcast that I was on with Artie that time, uh, it was just so good to see him. That was the healthiest I've seen him in a long time. And it just, it made me feel good that, you know, hopefully he turned the corner, you know, but, uh, um, you know, all you can do is pray. So, and, and hope for the best with guys like that. Yeah. And I don't want to go on and on but I do I have a question about just what was that day like where you did have to tell him like how, how did that happen can you kind of take me through I know he was on the show and the next day it was a Thursday he wasn't so it was clearly that day right tell me just give me how that happened like just the details because it's interesting I think to everyone to hear you know someone you've heard every day and made you laugh and you're hoping is good now he's not there I talked to him after the show and I walked him out of the building and I just you know gave him a hug and asked him to get help. And he did go to a rehab for, I think, 24 hours. And then he got out of rehab and he went home and stabbed himself seven times. 
And um, I, I remember sitting at the at next in the hospital bed with his mom and and his sister and, and Robin. And Artie was just coming out of whatever he was coming off of. And, and he looked at me like, and I'll never forget that, that look. It was so chilling. It was like, if he could get out of that bed, he would strangle me. That's how it, it, I just, you know, and he couldn't talk. He felt pathetic. He, I, I could see, you know, just the, 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 the pain in him. And it was, it was a very heavy, heavy moment. And, and, uh, it's, I just, you know, I'd rather not think about it. No, it was, it was, did he, would you keep, would you, uh, okay. I'm not going to continue. Have you talked to him though? Have you heard from him since the last time we talked? Is it, um, no, I, I reach out to his manager every once in a while to see how he's doing, but, uh, he's, he's kind of laying low. Yeah, no, hope, and again, I, I, I hope he's doing well and I'm just a huge fan of his. Tim, how do you become involved with this? I know you're a, a, quite the businessman, accomplished. And, uh, the fact that once you have to play this game, you also have to watch the sponsors and react to the sponsors. But how does, how does, how do you get pulled in from your, uh, extensive background on the Howard Stern show, WYSP in Philadelphia, and now you're, uh, you're, Helping, helping this uh, group out. I was at Westwood One uh, for about a year and a half and working in helping them build out a podcasting platform. And podcasting is all about pushing content out. And there was no two-way conversation. There was no way to pull audience back into podcasting and create that a dialogue between the product. And, uh, and when I met Frank and showed, when he showed me his, his quiz engine, uh, and his product of super squares and what react is all about, you know, I spent all of this time years and years building content between the commercial breaks and the better you make the content, the more expensive it is and totally ignoring the commercial stop sets, uh, where the money is. And Frank showed me this and how to engage with commercials and how to engage more with content. And I says, I got to be a part of this because this is the next level of engagement with, with audio, with video. And, uh, this was like lightning, uh, you know, hitting me. Uh, it was, it was just one of those moments that I had to be a part of this and I see the power of what this is. And, the, and Frank sees the future and I says, I got to be a part of this future. And then you needed a commissioner, so you go and find Harvard alum and uh, Super Bowl champion uh, Matt Burke. And Matt, I'm excited to talk to you because uh, I wanted to ask you first, what was it like in 1999-2000 with the Vikings? Tell me about watching the greatest show on turf. You guys played against them in one of my favorite football games I've ever been to, but the Vikings did not uh, come out uh, victorious. I don't think you played in that game, but a 49-37 win for the Rams, and they were off to the Super Bowl. That's my first question. Sorry. You were at that game? I, was, I went to every game from, from 95 to 2011. Uh, I was a Rams season ticket holder from 99 to 2011. I was a media member and kind of did both. And when Stan Kroenke started saying he, he couldn't answer if he was going to keep the team in St. Louis, I stopped going. Now I kind of not really I can't really watch the NFL, but I was curious about that game in general. Did you did you realize you were seeing something special from from where you were and and your and your team seriously? I because I I think that when when we as a as a Rams fan as a football fan as a sports fan I always say this when your team gets a nickname the greatest show on turf you, I mean that is something there's not a, you know you have the purple peep peep leaders um, you know the steel curtain but the greatest show on turf is a pretty cool nickname. What was it like for you watching that team? Uh, well, 
so it's interesting because the year before that in 1998, we didn't have a nickname, but we were the ended up being the highest scoring offense in the history of the NFL. Were you 15 but, and one, right? If, was that a 15 and one team too? We were yeah. 15 and one. And so uh, didn't make the Super Bowl. Pretty disappointed. Thought we'd come back the next year, you know, just that much more determined to finish the job and ran into this buzzsaw, the greatest show on turf in, in St. Louis. And it was, yeah, it was all like, it was all of a sudden, I think St. Louis the year before that was like four and 12. And now you're going to the Super Bowl. And so it was a little bit like us, you know, it was just kind of one year you just took this, this massive jump. And yeah, it was, obviously that was a, that was a great team. Um, it was, it was kind of a bitter pill to swallow because, you know, that was us the year before. Uh, I do remember we, we were, we were in that game. We had, it, we had it pretty close, but it was just too much, too much firepower. And I also remember those were two really fast teams. You know, we were built for turf, the old, the old Astro turf as were, as were the Rams and, we said the final score was 49-37. I mean, yeah, it was it was up and up and down the field. Yeah, and I, there's two things I remember about. I can talk about this season all the time because it was one of my favorite things. <laughs> Sorry about this, but I will tell you one thing that happened. It was funny to me. Uh, my dad was kind of in his mid 40s at that point. I was in my early 20s. <laughs> And he was so mad. He's like, well, if they play like that, they're not going to go anywhere. And I'm like, Dad, just enjoy this, you know. I think the score was like 49 to 21 at one point, and the Vikings had three touchdowns late. Um, anyway, so I told him to, to enjoy it. He didn't enjoy it. Then they went to the NFC uh, Championship, and they only won 11 to 6. He said, see, I told you, don't it? And then they won the Super Bowl, and he's like, well, they almost lost it. I said, are you ever going to be happy about this? <laughs> Uh, it was his only Super Bowl he got to see. But uh, tell me, so then how do you hook up with uh, Tim and Frank here to become the commissioner? I guess it was the IQ, and it wasn't from that 99-2000 uh, <laughs> NFC Divisional game. Sorry again, but I, I'll, I'll stop bringing it up. But it, I did want to get it from someone who uh, – the Rams fans would love, enjoy hearing that. But tell us how you became involved with Tim and Frank. I tip my hat to the St. Louis Rams, especially the team in 1999. Uh, Tim Sabian's a, a long family friend. Uh, and obviously my background's in sports, played in the NFL for 15 years, then worked in the NFL league office for two years. So understand sports, I think, uh, understand the business of sports a little bit. And, and, and hey, I'm, I'm just a fan too, right? I mean, I started as a fan. I'm still a football fan and a huge sports fan in general. I'm also, I'm also a, a consumer and, you know, I, I know that advertising doesn't really work that well. I've never been excited to watch a commercial or an ad. And so when Tim called me up and said, hey, I want, to, I want you to take a look at this and talk to Frank and Tim a few times about it and started to see it and started to experience it, it's, it's just like, I mean, you don't need to be a genius. You don't need to go to Harvard to realize that this is a, this is a better mousetrap. You know, this is something that, I mean, ever since the invention of the remote control, people have had a very easy way to avoid ads, right? And now it's it's easier than ever with phones in our hands and DVRs and streaming and, and all that stuff. So I thought, wow, this actually makes it fun to watch commercials. And then my real aha moment as I started digging in was we, we did a, a beta game and one of the commercials that I saw in the Super Squares game, a couple of weeks later, I saw it on TV. And right when it came on, I said, oh, I know this commercial. It was a Ford commercial, and I knew that the point of the commercial was that Ford employs more hourly workers than any company in America. You know, that was that's what the that's what Ford wants the consumer to remember. And I remembered it because it was served to me 
while playing super squares. And it was like, oh my gosh, and I'd probably seen a hundred Chevy ads during that time as well. I couldn't tell you one thing about any of them. I can't even remember them. But so um, it was like, wow, this, this really does work. And advertising is a huge, huge industry. It's a trillion dollar industry. And so excited to be part of a company that, uh, that's, that's working on something really, really big. Really enjoyed a chance to talk to Matt Burke and Tim Sabian. Tim Sabian, of course, of the Howard Stern channels back at Sirius. He was there when they launched and was a big-time executive and fodder for so many years when Howard would call him in, and there was an interesting bathroom episode there with Tim. Uh, we didn't really talk about that. I don't, I don't think he likes to talk about that. But I thank Tim, and I thank Matt, uh, Super Bowl champion, possible NFL Hall of Famer. ST Weekly is where these live on YouTube. ST Weekly, Sports Talk Weekly, Stern Talk Weekly, and this episode right here, we melded them together, and I really hope you enjoyed it. And I'll give you a preview of that Shuley interview I talked about. Now, Shuley was on the show for a long time. He started as a caller and just calling in with little bits and jokes, and then the Stern channels hired him, and then he was there up till the beginning of the year. And then he left uh, on his own. And he tells this whole story on my YouTube channel, and you can see it, and you can uh, hear why he has decided to leave. But I figured I'd give you a quick preview here so you can hear his voice and then decide if you want to go check that out. But a, a lot of people have, and I think you will enjoy it if you're a Stern fan or if you're just a fan of, uh, of uh, well, Vanna Shuley. So uh, here's a preview of that. But at the same time, you know, there's a market out there now where you can do your own thing. And you don't have to. I'm not looking for Joe Rogan money in this. I'm just looking to do my own thing, pay my bills, have a roof over my family's head and and do what I love for a living. And and so for me, going to that next stage, being on the air more, whether it's a sidekick, whether it's my own show, that was the next thing for me. So in a roundabout way, when I knew when we made the decision, we locked down the house, <clears throat> I knew uh, in the back of my mind that this was pretty m I was going to be done with the show eventually. Either they were going to let me go or I was going to go. What uh, In your podcast, I listen to now, uh, it's on uh, everywhere you get podcasts. You're also on Patreon, uh, and you're on Twitch. I think you play Call of Duty. So you can find Shuli wherever you want to find him. But I really enjoyed your, your podcasts so far because you, you pretty much gave every answer that I, I was like, what the fuck am I going to ask him? He's answered everything. But I am interested in the fact that because you kind of mentioned that on your on your podcast that you knew that going to Alabama, but the fact when they called and told you, listen, let's make you basically you can tell the story, but they said let's make you part time. What was that? Um, what was that day like? Did did you see that coming? Because you said eh, I moved to Alabama, I, I know this might come, but then the fact that they went ahead and said screw it, we are going to make you. You know, you, you can still work here, but uh, and who who tells you this? Like I'm always interested in the minutia. Who gives this kind of news? Well, it's management. I mean, you're dealing with management and, uh, and, you know, nothing happens without, you know, checking with them first. You know, I know there was this, uh, uh, you know, picture painted that, uh, I, I gathered up my family in the middle of the night, rented a truck and snuck away to Alabama. This was the whole process. This was a thing where I had to check and make sure that I could even do this, uh, that, that things could be worked out, you know, with serious, uh, you know, what are the deal with taxes? Like, there's all this shit that has to happen before you can just up and leave for Alabama. So management knew. Management was fine with it. Uh, in fact, you know, they they were like, listen, you're 
a huge part, an important part to us, and we will make this work one way or another. And so I felt supported. I felt cool. These guys understand the situation and they have my back. And then, uh, you know, when I got out here, you know, it wasn't necessarily their fault, man. I, I think just when I got out here, I just kind of realized mentally that I wasn't fitting into this anymore. I wasn't, I, 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 other, it's the weirdest thing because you got to understand this was my dream thing. Dream. I don't even want to call it a job, but this was my dream for, since I heard the show was to be a part of it on some level. But I always said to myself, if this ever feels like a job, then it's over. And, and it kind of started feeling that way to me where it wasn't, fun. And I know a lot of people out there don't have fun at their job. And I get that. I did plumbing, I did construction. Or, you know, I dealt blackjack roulette and I pushed fat people in wheelchairs. So when it comes to having jobs that are not fun, I got it. But uh, for me mentally, I just felt like I was, the clock was ticking. I'm missing out on these opportunities. Uh, I'm seeing friends of mine that are growing across the board just from starting simple things like a podcast, you know? And so for me, it, it was just, it got to the point where I'm like, I'm not happy. And, and that starts bleeding into my family life and that's unfair to them. They didn't do anything but support me this whole time. So it's time to make a change. And more of that conversation with Shuli on YouTube. It's about a, almost an hour long uh, chat and you can see him describe uh, what happened there and why he was basically told. Just the whole story is interesting and and odd. Uh, He moved to Alabama on his own, and then they decided to tell him he was going to be part-time. So anyway, check that out. You can hear the whole story, and he has some fun stories about some of the Whack Packers and all the good stuff you love that he did on the Stern channel. But that's at YouTube, and you search ST Weekly, and you can find that interview. But that's just a portion of it. I'll put the whole thing up over here at some point. But uh, people like to watch it, and, and I like to get the views over to YouTube first. And so, as you know, you can watch all of my interviews that I do now on YouTube. I post them there first. And you can just search YouTube at then ST Weekly. Used to be called Sports Talk Weekly. Now it's Stern Talk Weekly. Anything with an S and then a T with talk and then weekly. I'm rambling now. You know where to go. Thank you for listening. And I'm going to walk away from the microphone and just say, we'll see you next time.